Hello and welcome to the Pope's Prayers and Pataks podcast. Each episode you will be blessed to hear winsome and insightful stories about Polish Catholic traditions, the priesthood, and maybe even a little bit about our favorite Polish Pope, John Paul II. I'm your host, Mike Chamberlain, and the man behind the winsome and insightful stories, as always, from Our Lady of Sorrows is Pastor Father Patak. Welcome, Father, and how have you been? How's your fall season going so far? Well, Mike, thank you. It's going very well. Um, quick. Seems like time flies. Once you get past the 4th of July, it seems like a train with uh, no brakes. <laughs> it just keeps rolling down the hill, and uh, we're into the end of the year, and Advent's almost upon us, and Christmas, and all those great things that happen as we uh, make our way through fall into Advent and Christmas. I know. It's, it's funny you say the July, because I always think about it more of like, I feel Labor Day. Labor Day, everything hits the fan in Labor Day, right? Yeah, and then it goes I, I crazy think so. <laughs> and so. Uh, an older person said that to me. She said, uh, 4th of July, Christmas. And I kind of like, what? What does that mean? She goes, well, after 4th of July, it's like you blink and it's Christmas. Yeah. And uh, the older I get, the more I realize I think she is right. <laughs> You're feeling uh, that more, yeah. I'm feeling that more and more because it just seems like 4th uh, of July and then it's uh, Labor Day and wow. boom, the holidays are here and uh, so much happening. So yeah, it's been flying, but it's been a good time. Good. Things good, are. Good. I think things are well in the parish and yeah. uh, with me personally and... Good. Any particular highlights from the last just few months? You know, even September, October, November, now we're in November recording this, you know? Sure. Um, I think uh, one of the great things was when we had uh, the celebration for St. John Paul, his feast day, Mm -hmm. and we had the veneration of the relic. Yeah, yeah. What a moving experience. Uh, So many people stayed after Mass to venerate the relic. I mean, it was unbelievable. Much bigger response than I thought. Oh, that's great. People moved to tears. Uh, They wanted to touch it. They wanted to put their... uh, rosaries to it, their medals to it, and uh, they really, um, and then they stopped to tell me, Father, this is just so beautiful. Mm. Um, So I was uh, pleasantly surprised. I mean, I know he's very popular, but uh, it was kind of overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. And we had another event going down on downstairs in the lower level of the the church, and so people really made it a point to stay, so uh, I'm just very happy with that. You know, it was a busy weekend, and I saw some of the photos, and it looked awesome having the um, the reliquary is the correct term, right? Yes. For the mm-hmm. uh, what what was the actual? And maybe you mentioned this. I wasn't able to make it to any of the masses here that sure. weekend because of my own busyness at, at, with ministry here. Uh, but what was the actual relic a, a piece of, or what was it of? Father? That relic was actually a piece uh, or a couple of strands of John Paul's hair. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and people probably wonder how did they get the hair relic. Well, <laughs> uh, I think we all know that when he was alive. Like Mother Teresa, people refer to him kind of as a living saint. And so um, some of his secretaries kind of had the idea he would be a saint. And so toward the end of his life, when he got a haircut, uh, unbeknownst to him, they would collect some of the hair. (laughs) And so uh, that's how that relic came about. Mm -hmm. And I was, uh, you know, fortunate to be gifted that by Cardinal Jeevish. And then later on, he gave me a blood relic. And uh, I actually have three relics of John Paul, and then the final relic I received was one that was part of the the clothing that was uh, he was wearing when he was shot oh, wow. uh, way back in I believe 1980. Let's see, one? boy, that's 81? 84, I think. Oh, 84, or okay. maybe 81. I don't know. I probably want to say Memor- 81 or 82. Yeah, no, like 84. That, but... Yeah, 84 was when we were there in Rome after the Holy Land. So I think it was 81. Yeah. Uh, May 13th, I believe, yep. uh, on Our Lady's Day. And so, I mean, that one's even more special uh, in the sense that it you know, was actually um, from 
the clothing that he was wearing yeah. and was stained with his blood. Yeah. And uh, people are probably wondering, well, how did they know? But again, the people who took care of him after he was shot at the hospital brought all of the uh, clothing that he was wearing and took it over to the Vatican and gave it to Cardinal Givish and said, you know, um, these are holy objects mm. and we want you to have them. Right. So, but this one was a, a relic of his hair. Right, because, I mean, if he would have died, he would have been considered exactly. basically a martyr, right, on yes, the spot. Yes, uh, so, I, I would think so. Yeah, wow. Martyr for the faith. But thank God he survived through the intercession of Our Lady. Yeah. Uh, you know, he accredited that to Our Lady of Fatima on her day, May 13th. Yeah, 1981. It was 81. So yeah. 84 was uh, when we were there for the, um, after our studies in the Holy Land. Wonderful. Very yeah. good. Very good. Any other? Uh, that's a great highlight, though. The 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 feast. Sure, day, I think uh, that's the one that comes it? most to mind. Yeah. Um, you know, and now in the month of November, of course, the beautiful All Souls and yeah. uh, remembrance of those who have gone before us and of our own mortality. Right. Um, you know, death awaits us all. It shouldn't be a terrifying thing, but rather something uh, that we look forward to. In the sense, we'll be with the Lord and uh, transition from this world to the next. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's a great segue, Father, too. I know our, our topic for today. We wanted to get, kind of get in and speak a little bit about some of the uniquely Polish customs and traditions surrounding the month of November, specifically All Saints, All Souls, also remembering the dead throughout the entire month, as well as speaking a little bit into the idea of Advent and some of the specific Polish Catholic customs and culture really around that as well. I know to begin with, I know most people, at least for here in America, I think a lot of people tend to quickly think of like the Dia del Muerto, like the, the Day of the Dead. Sure. Uh, you know, there's very um, Hispanic traditions and Hispanic Catholic traditions of how they celebrate those days. And we can tend to think of the skulls and the various things that are done. Uh, at least I know those are one of the, some of the things that first come to my mind sure. when I think about those feasts. Uh, but what are, are there anything specific? We have such a global Catholic church, which is so awesome and so beautiful. And specifically this time of year, it can seem uh, dark to think about our death and to think about uh, a lot of our dying days and, you know, the, all the scriptures are kind of examining, be prepared, be watchful. I know even our other podcast for the parish uh, really spoke about um, this topic with uh, Memento Mori was their topic and their theme. Uh, so we're kind of riffing off that, but uh, as a global church, every culture has its own way of expressing uh, this tradition and this culture and this the customs that surround it. What are some of the things that highlight, that you want to highlight today as far as the Polish way of celebrating these feasts? Well, in Polish tradition, All Souls Day is a very, very important day. I mean, also in the Catholic Church as well, sure, but sure. <laughs> uh, even more so in Poland. Um, I had the opportunity to experience it in two ways. One, growing up in a Polish-American community, and then secondly, in 1981, when I was living in Poland, to actually be there on All Saints, All Souls Day. And so the Polish tradition is that it's a very, very important day for family that um, you would make the effort to travel home to, uh, for lack of a better word, an ancestral home mm. where you grew up or where your grandparents were born, um, where your roots are, and um, visit the cemetery because that's yeah. where the ancestors would be buried, yeah. grandparents, great-grandparents. Um, in my case, we can even go back to triple great-grandparents mm. uh, in the cemetery there. So it's a day for a family to get together and if that's not possible, of course, to celebrate uh, with each other uh, where you're at, because sometimes, you know, it's long distance and uh, train ride or maybe by car, depending on how far away it is. And so 
Uh, part of that not only is the family get-together, but most importantly, going to the cemetery, as they would say in, in Polish, to decorate the graves, in mm-hmm. the sense that they would clean off the graves mm-hmm. from the leaves, and if there's any summer flowers left, and then they would place uh, candles on it, uh, which is very important to uh, to Polish people to light a candle at the grave, and maybe not just one, but maybe many mm. uh, candles at the grave. Uh, you know, again, reminding us Christ is the light of light, uh, light of the world, light of our lives. And those candles, you know, kind of flicker in the night to keep vigil. Um, the people obviously return home and have a nice meal and a, a family get together. And so um, it's a very important day for them. And, you know, they do make every effort they can to visit the cemetery. In fact, if you're in Poland uh, at that time, um, the cemeteries almost look like they're on fire because oh. there are so many candles. Really, um, I experienced that, of course, when I was there in 1981. Uh, the rest of the trips, I've never been there that late in the year. But uh, the cemeteries look uh, most of the time they're on a hill or you know in a nice quaint setting outside of the the city or the village, and it looks like they're on fire. So many people bring candles to it. Uh, I think around Metro Detroit area, the best place that you could see something like that would be St. Hedwig's oh. Cemetery in Dearborn, yeah. um, where there's lots of Polish Americans buried, and um, many many people return there to place uh, a um, cemetery candle on the grave, but it still pales in comparison to what you would see in Poland. Yeah. And, and growing up in Wyandotte, uh, there was that tradition at uh, the, the parish cemetery. Um, over the years, it's kind of waned a bit, and sometimes it resurges uh, in this popularity of, of taking candles. I know we still do it. Uh, you know, I have my, on uh, my father's side, I have a set of great-grandparents, grandparents, uh, parents are there now, so we return uh, to light the candles on All Souls Day. In Poland, usually it happens on the vigil of All Souls, which would be the eve of, or the evening before, which would be All Saints Day mm. evening. Mm-hmm. Um, they would go to the cemetery and then attend Mass on All Souls Day itself. So that sense of the connection they have between them who are alive and those who have gone already home, to remember them in prayer and to uh, decorate the, the graves with candles and flowers. Uh, in fact, I think that's one of the most um, commented on thing with groups that I take to Poland is when we go past the cemetery. Now, we're there in the summer, yeah. but people are like, wow, there's so many flowers on these graves, and all the graves look well-tended, but mm. it's really kind of a, a really Polish trait that... Um, their loved ones are not forgotten, not mm. only on All Souls Day, but throughout the year. Yeah. And so um, people always comment how you know beautiful the cemeteries are covered in flowers, and the Poles have a great sense of remembering the, the dead and their deceased loved ones and praying for them and, of course, bringing flowers and candles. Yeah, so. yeah. that's very cool. I, I'd imagine they're obviously the time of year they're probably using some sort of lantern or something to protect the candles. Yes, right? they're yeah. usually in yeah. a like kind of a red globe. Some of them are yeah. greens. You know, they're all different kinds. Some are clear. Um, I have a beautiful one that I bought in Poland recently. It kind of is like the map of Poland and then the center is this big huh. Polish eagle and then the <laughs> candle goes in there and has a little covering on it to keep the wind from blowing it out. Yeah. Um, but they have all different styles. Yeah. Um, People are using the battery-operated ones probably nowadays, yeah, too, Yeah, right? I've seen some of those as well. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, you know, and then through the month, they'll go there and re, um, replenish the candles as they burn out. Yeah. But on all 
on the the night before All Souls, which is All Saints Day night, uh, those are when I think the most candles are mm. lit. Mm. But if you go to the cemetery, uh, even during the year, it, it would be it's always appropriate to bring a candle or flowers yeah. as well. But on All Souls Day, especially, so um, Poland really doesn't have a Thanksgiving. Yeah, since we're talking about the month of November, but. I would guess in the sense of having um, this sense of coming home uh, as a family. I mean, of course, they have Christmas Eve and Easter, but uh, where there you would go to the cemetery together as the family and then share a meal, I, I guess I wouldn't want to call it a Polish Thanksgiving because there's no really sense of yeah like American Thanksgiving. Because right. American Thanksgiving is, you know, traditional American holiday that right. uh, started here. So, but in that sentiment of like the family gathering exactly. together to have a meal to celebrate right. family together, mm-hmm. it kind of ties in. Mm-hmm. Is what you're. Is there um, given that what you're expressing here? Is there are some specific Polish meals or or, mm-hmm. or actual pieces of the meals or, or aspects of something that's traditional to make? Mm-hmm. Like, is it like oh, they always have. Mm-hmm. This type of pierogi or this, I don't sure. know, certain whatever. Sure. I'm not aware of that, but okay. I, I'm sure, uh, <laughs> you know, that it probably is the thing. Like we, you know, we kind of ritualize what we do. Like, right. you know, at birthday parties, we always have this or at, or at, uh, you know, a wedding anniversary, we have this or right. on this 4th of July, you know, mom always makes this. And so yeah. I'm sure that happens, but I'm really not aware of that. Okay. But I do know that um, that's a very important day. Uh, for families in Poland to remember the dead and to to visit actually visit the cemetery in America, I think we don't really have that sense anymore of visiting the cemetery. I right. mean, some people do, but I mean, there it's it's almost like a, a must do if you you know if you have uh, if you're Catholic and you have a great respect for your your deceased loved ones. Not saying that if you don't do it, you don't. But I mean, in Polish right. tradition, it's. It's very it's very strong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in our family, um, we go on All Souls Day uh, unless the cemetery closes before, because <laughs> sometime, you know, with the darkness setting right, in, right, they close yeah. them earlier. Yeah. And we always go on Thanksgiving Day after we finish our meal. It's always oh, been our nice. tradition to go to the cemetery, but yeah. we have to hurry because the cemetery closes <laughs> by right. five, and you know right. dinner's usually at two, so you have to rush to get to the cemetery. And, and now, plus you're fighting the tiredness from eating the turkey, exactly. And, <laughs> and it's like, don't sit on the couch. Let's get in the car. <laughs> Let's get to the cemetery, light the candles, say our prayers before. That's uh, a nice custom. It is a very nice custom, and it, it probably is even more meaningful, like in my immediate family, since my parents have died and my oldest sister has died. Yeah, that. Um, you know, it's really something we try to do, uh, or we do do, but we try to make sure everyone is is there and present, you know, uh, of at least the children. And sometimes the grandkids join in. It just depends on everybody's schedule because it also is a busy day with, um, you know, there's in-laws and uh, nieces and nephews are married and they have other sides and things to do as well. Right. But that's kind of uh, become one of our traditions, you know, so at least twice in the month of November to make it to the cemetery t- to uh, take the candles and and say the prayers and flowers and, uh, you know, remember those who have gone before us. Yeah. So it's kind of a great thing. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, and Father, I know you said you wanted to share a little bit about some specific uh, Polish Catholic kind of uh, cultural customs that you do around Advent specifically mm-hmm. as well. Did you want to get into some of those? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah go for I'd it. be happy to. Yeah. So uh, growing up, uh, you know, Polish-American, um, really, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot, but one specific custom, which is a church custom, it's not Polish, I mean... It's still kept by Polish people. It's called Rorate Cheli, which means, um, you know, may 
the dew come down from heaven and bring forth the Savior. So it's kind of a a service of light in honor of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, but you know, again, it's it's Catholic and custom, but it's really kept by Polish and Polish Americans. And when I was growing up serving, it was the first Mass of the morning, so that there were the devotions and people would bring lighted candles to church, kind of reminding us and setting the tone that, you know, Advent is different than the rest of the mm-hmm. year, that um, it's time of preparation. We're waiting for the Savior to come down mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, to be among us once again as man, commemorating. Obviously, we know he came 2,000 years ago, but just calling to mind what the season of Advent and the Christmas season is all about. So, mm-hmm. As a young boy growing up and serving those early morning uh, masses and devotions, uh, th- those are the things that stick with me. Yeah. And in Poland, it's it's very popular during the whole mo- uh, the whole season of Advent to um, go to those the earliest mass in the morning where the tradition is held and to bring a candle into the the church. Um, Again, it, so this it, is like just daily mass, daily all mass. of Advent, sure, and it's the earliest yes. morning one possible. Earliest whatever. mass, okay. Mm-hmm. And so. you bring a candle and you actually light it, like yourself, and you walk right. in mm-hmm. with it. Lit? You walk in with okay. the candle, sure. And, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and and probably in America, in Polish communities, it's not so popular anymore. Yeah. Yeah. As you know, as just like everything evolves, and right. you know, generations continue to grow and uh, to become more distant from. A lot of the customs, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. But um, in Poland, for sure, it's it's very prevalent huh. to this day, and uh, a way that they celebrate Advent, um, remembering what the season is all about, honoring the Blessed Virgin Mary, who really is um, the star of Advent. I mean, of course, Jesus is, right? But Mary is the star of Advent in the sense because we're, you know, she's the one who is the tabernacle, right? right. Yeah. Containing our Savior. And, yeah. and so... Pregnant and expecting exactly. that Lord. So, so we're supposed to be similar in mind, right? Exactly. Yeah. So Mary's kind of that star of Advent. Jesus, of course, is always the star, but he's right. the star of Christmas in the yeah. sense because he's the one who brings us salvation. So, I mean, I think that's one of the great things. Uh, so, Father, that, just a question on that, though. So is it, you know, obviously, you know, uh, for all of us Catholics around the world, like we're we're obliged to go to church on Sundays, but not mm-hmm. necessarily on the rest of the days of the week. Is it a typical Polish thing that, like, maybe mm-hmm. throughout the year? Of course, they're going on Sundays, sure. but they might make a, a unique effort to go daily during Advent because sure. of that tradition. Is that what you're it saying? It would be, yeah. um, you know, especially Advent and Lent. Yeah, in, in Polish tradition would be times that people, and not only Polish tradition, I think Catholic tradition, but mm. even more so, it's stressed that. Um, daily Mass is important to prepare ourselves for the coming feast, and during Advent that would be really something that um, people would try to do, to, to come to church, come to Mass, and uh, be a part of those Advent devotions. Um, yeah. And Poland, Advent is still a, a real special time of the year in the sense that um, they have more of a sense of uh, it's a time of preparation. Yeah. In America, I think sometimes we've lost that yeah. sense. It's uh, already Christmas, you know. <laughs> I, I was just thinking. I just saw an ad on uh, television, and you know, here we are, uh, just past mid-November, and they're you know they're like encouraging you to have your houses decorated and ready celebrating Christmas and. But in Poland, they don't really have that sense. It's creeping in, of course, because with sure. democracy, yeah. um, you know, all of the good and the bad come into to a country, and so um, commercialism, you know, is more prevalent than it was years ago. But yeah. still, Poland has a real sense of Advent being a season of preparation. So fasting and abstaining, especially on Fridays, mm. um, you know, I think Poland has lifted. 
the abstinence from meat on Friday officially, mm. but um, most of the people do. Growing up in our host household, my father, you know, grew up that way, and that's how we grew up. Um, Fridays were a day of abstinence from meat, always. Uh, of course, as we grew older and, uh, you know, into high school and college and that, well, I can't say that I kept every Friday a day of abstinence, <laughs> but all my parents did. Yeah. That was, uh, you know, dad was very strict about that. And uh, surely in Advent and Lent, those, you know, well, Lent is a regulation of the church still, but in Advent, those were days to um, sacrifice and prepare yeah. and, um, you know, get ready for the coming of the great feast of Christmas. So. Yeah. Um, that's the way we grew up. Uh, yeah. It was just a given. It was no, you know, well, we don't want to do this. We're not going to do this. That's just what we did. Right, right. It's it's not what, we, you know, some people say like with customs, oh, they're so quaint, they're so nice, oh, it's good that you keep them. And I always say, well, we're really not keeping them. It's just how we celebrate. Right. You know, there's a difference, right? You yeah. don't, I mean, keeping a custom to keep it doesn't, to me, have much meaning. But if that's how you celebrate, right? Right. That's, how it is. Yeah. And I think that's what, as Americans, we do that with all of our holidays, you know, at 4th of July, right? If you have the tradition of having a barbecue and maybe some fireworks and a family gathering, it's not nice that you're keeping that custom. No, right. that's how you celebrate 4th of July, right? Right, right, right. I mean, we do the same thing. 4th of July is always, you know, with a picnic or a barbecue and right. family gets together and usually, you know, some fireworks and yep. a couple of soda pops and things yep. like that. Yep. And, you know, yep. everybody enjoys the American holiday, you know, independence and freedom. And so, you know, so again, that's how we grew up. Right. And it kind of irks me a little bit when someone <laughs> says, it's nice that you keep those things. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. no, we don't really keep them. That's just how we celebrate. Right. I mean, right. that's, you know. Well, and I think too, when, it, when it's tied to an aspect of your nationality, your culture in that regard, but also tied to your faith, sure, it becomes something of like a capital T type of, not actually capital T tradition, but sort of, because sure. it's meant to impact your actual lifestyle. Like you said, like not eating meat on Fridays, that, that has a, mm -hmm. because of what you believe in your faith, it has an actual impact on your mm -hmm. lifestyle. So where you're going to go out to eat for dinner, if you're going out at all on right. a Friday or something like that, there's a, I, I think a lot of us, we forget that there's that lifestyle component to our faith that just because mm -hmm. we think about Sunday and that hour on Sunday and that's about it. And that's kind right. of where it ends, but no, it should extend beyond that very much so. Right. Exactly. I mean, so, yeah. And that, and that's, uh, you know, the, the whole thing of uh, abstinence on Friday, when the church changed that after the second Vatican council, it wasn't a blanket. You don't have to right. eat meat. It's if you choose to eat meat, then you're supposed to do some other type of penance like praying for the souls in purgatory, like visiting the sick, like you know, offering your uh, a rosary for someone who's in need. I mean, yeah. doing some penitential work. However, as Catholics, you know, we were all excited. Hey, we can eat meat on Friday. <laughs> but nobody's really stressed that Friday is still a day of right. or a day of penance in the Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, abstinence of course is optional, but if you don't abstain, you're supposed to do some other type of penitential work. Again, growing up, I mean, that was it. Dad you know, what the father of the house did, that's what the right. family did, right? right. There's yeah. no question, and that's the way we were brought up. And, you know, since I've been a priest, I I really try, especially in these last 15 years, to really make that a priority on Friday, to not eat meat, just because I know it's something I won't forget. Right. You know, once you get in the, the swing of it, it's like, 
oh, well, it's Friday. It's a day of abstinence because yeah. I'm always afraid if I eat meat, I'm not going to remember to do something penitential. Yeah, yeah. You know? So for me, now it's almost natural. And I know people sometimes dread Fridays and Lent, oh, we have to eat meat. But, I mean, we can't eat meat. We have to eat fish or whatever. But there's right. so many meatless meals. And so to me, I just try to make it a part. But on the other hand, I try not, if I go somewhere and they're serving meat, I'm not going, you know, don't want to make an issue. I'll just... You know, you don't want to embarrass anybody, right? Right, and that. So you just, you know, you kind of go with the flow. But I think it's, you know, it's a Catholic custom that uh, I think we need to revisit. And I, I was happy to grow up that way. And, yeah, uh, just part of who we are. With Advent, Father, isn't there? Um, I know the other Polish. Uh, is it the the wafers? That's another. Mm-hmm. That's is, a Christmas custom. The opat- oh, Christmas. The, yeah, okay. opatki, the opatek breaking the Christmas wafer. Okay, yeah, maybe yeah. on our next podcast we yeah. go a little bit into that and. Uh, and as we prepare a little more... I, remember, uh, I actually never really grew up with that, and mm-hmm. I couldn't remember if it was an Advent or Christmas sure. thing, so that's why I asked. Yeah, so but, yeah. it would take place at um, at the Vigil Supper on Christmas Eve. Okay. But in Polish Which this tradition, year is kind of both and, right? Yeah, it's Advent. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it is. It's the fourth Sunday of Advent, and then it becomes, uh, it becomes Christmas Eve, so... Um, <laughs> Within the same twenty-four hour period, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in just a few hours, right? We have yeah. we have the whole week of uh, <laughs> the fourth week of Advent, and we also have Christmas <laughs> beginning uh, with the vigil masses on that day. So, right. Yeah, but uh, so Advent is you know kind of a low key time uh, right. in Pol- Polish tradition. Uh, growing up in in Polish America, I mean, weddings were not held. Oh. Um, you know, Interesting. a lot yeah. of um, you know there weren't really any kind of. Uh, Lots of parties or anything like that. Um, you know, it was kind of downplayed yeah, as yeah. Advent began because we're preparing for Christmas. Right. And it's hard to do in America. And yeah. I get everybody loves Christmas. I love Christmas uh, just as much as the next person, maybe sometime even more. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's a time and a place for it. And yeah. sometimes it just gets a little bit carried away. And then people on Christmas Day say, oh, thank God it's over. And, you know, and it's like, well, if you've been celebrating since November 1st, I can see why you're tired, right. you know, 60 days later, right? Uh, yeah, I always think it's funny when, like, the day after the 26th of December, I go to walk the dog and I see people have their, their Christmas tree already at the, the curb. Yeah. You know, it's on the it's, it's the day after. It's so crazy to me. It's so funny. It, it is. And, you know, so that's why I try to stress Advent. And, you yeah. know, in the parish, we try to stress it, you know, with the beautiful Advent wreath yeah. and, uh, you know, Time Was that for... a Polish custom as well? To the Advent sure. wreath? Is that you know? Yep. Specifically? I think it's universal. Mm-hmm. I would think so too. I just didn't know if that was yeah. you know something that was regularly done there. Or if it is a unique there. aspect of the way it was done, or probably just not a... that I'm really aware of. Like yeah. where I grew up, uh, and it was just kind of an Advent wreath, and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know each candle was lit, and but the whole sense of you know Advent being a time of preparation, and here at Our Lady of Sorrows, we try to do the same, right? Yeah. We have the beautiful Advent wreath. Um, we have um, those booklets for breaking open the word each day that yep. you can reflect upon as you know we journey through advent and through christmas and uh, also the stressing of reconciliation mm-hmm. that it's you know time for us to reconcile with each other and with god through con- sacramental confession and so you know i'm looking forward to that here yeah. and trying to hold back like this tidal wave of uh, christmas, you know, christmas right. and tell people that look if we can celebrate November, why can't we continue that celebration once it gets here, at least the 12 days and, right. you know, and beyond? So uh, we'll talk more about that, I think, in the next podcast. But I think Advent is really one of the great times of the year for us to really think about um, preparing ourselves for this great feast. You know, yeah. Next to Easter, it's the greatest feast of the year. So right. uh, we, we want to be prepared, Yeah, not Let's, rush into it. Uh, amen. I know it's funny too because I'm. If you're like me, Father, I don't know if you've had this experience of like um, 
the anticipation of your vacation is better than the vacation itself. Have you ever oh, had that? I, like, yes, you know I have that about? all the time. Like you're looking forward to where you're going to travel to. You may be researching things, you're sightseeing, what you're going to do, and you're you're so looking forward to it and getting excited by it. And it's not to say that when you actually are there, isn't, it's, it's positive, sure. it's a good thing, but there's something about the anticipation of the vacation, which is sometimes just as rewarding as the vacation itself. And I think that's, in my mind, that's what Advent is is at least trying to do if we allow it to happen, right? The the anticipation of Christmas, Christ coming, his incarnation is and can be just as celebratory and amazing as the actual day itself. Is that, you know what I mean? Spot that, on. Yeah? Okay. Spot on. I was and, sharing that analogy with uh, some of the OCIA folks just this last week, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, or, or in our OCIA class mm-hmm. this last Sunday. So, and they seem to find that helpful, sure. you know, but... And to me, it's like anything that we really value we need to prepare for right yeah, yeah we we don't have a wedding without any preparation right we don't have a hundredth birthday or a 50th birthday or 50th anniversary without preparing for yeah. it and to me and sometime we're in such a rush to get to christmas we don't really have a chance to prepare and anticipate and then celebrate it when it gets here yeah. and, and i think a lot of it has to do with commercialism how yeah. you know if we can sell stuff okay then it's a great season but once we can't sell it well it's all over yeah and that's you know countercultural to what our catholic faith teaches like yeah. anything that's worthwhile is worth preparing for i mean it's kind of like the old uh you know what they call those proverbs or wise sayings that yeah. you know yeah. take time to prepare and then celebrate when it's here and and that's what i like about advent i try to keep that but it's sometimes it's so hard it is sometimes i get anxious because like you look around everybody's decorated everybody's got everything (laughs) done and i'm like whoa i'm way way behind times but i really enjoy you know kind of building to it and then celebrating and enjoying it now growing up does did you hold off on like bringing a Christmas tree in the house, for example, until a certain date? Or sure. like, is there certain things you did around that? Like, we did, did you... um, well, back in the, you know, in the 60s, there wasn't this uh, craziness of, you know, celebrating November. So uh, we ha- always had a real tree. Um, that yep. was the family tradition. And so uh, my parents would say, look, early up, early down. And uh, <laughs> and we go... Well, especially with a real tree, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. And so my my father would insist, like, no earlier than the 18th of December, and um, so usually between the 18th and the 20th, we would put it up, and yeah. we weren't alone doing that. Right Now, I mean, you know, I'm putting up my tree on the 22nd or 23rd, and people are like, that well, late. why bother? Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean, why bother? <laughs> well, well, like those people over. who put it out to the curb on the yeah. 26th, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, you know, uh, we did grow up with that tradition, uh, yeah. and it was really nice. Now, when my parents were growing up, they told us that, you know, the tree came into the house on the 23rd, mm. and it was decorated after... The vigil supper on the twenty fourth. That oh, wow. was what they did between yeah. the time the vigil ended and they went to midnight mass. Right. They well. would decorate the tree. And then, yes. how long did they? Did you and as a family? Did you keep your tree up for a while afterward? We, or at you least know, the to, like, Polish the tradition is the uh, February second, which we'll talk oh. a little bit more because that was the old church custom of forty yeah. days. But yeah, we'll get to that um, next in month. Our, maybe. In ours, <laughs> it, yeah, in next yeah. in the next podcast. But in our family tradition, it was always at least till the twelfth day till Three Kings, January sixth. Okay. Yeah, and then because the, the tree was pretty much uh, starting, <laughs> dried out yeah. by then, yeah, starting <laughs> going to start a fire. Yes, the needles were starting <laughs> to fall, but we always. Yeah. Uh, well, Always had the tree up, maybe once in a blue moon, if you know if the tree really got bad, dad would say, okay, we'll take the tree down, leave the manger up with the three until the right. three kings arrive. And, you know, sometimes those things would happen. Yeah. Um, but almost always till January 6th. Now, what would you say, Father, is most, as a young Polish American boy, what do you think was most um, 
memorable for you or most like maybe deeply affecting to you as a child growing up with some of these, like these customs and these, you know, mm-hmm. cultural norms mm-hmm. and ways of celebrating? What, what, what stands out to you for, for Advent specifically, I guess I'm asking. Sure. I, I think the whole sense of that, um, you know, it was a time for us, thinking back on that growing up, to spiritually think about what's, what's going to happen. That, you know, Advent was a time to, you know, prepare not only the home, but your heart for the coming of Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, that anticipation, um, I think, really gave me a sense that there was something really to celebrate then. Mm. Um, like you said, sometimes that anticipation is greater than the actual feast in the sense, because, yeah. you know, you're really preparing yourself. And I remember growing up, you know, it was so stressed in, in, by the Felician sisters in the school that, you know, Advent's a time of prayer. It's a time of uh, sacrificing. It's a time of abstinence. It's a time of, you know, preparing your house called your heart mm-hmm. to, to greet the newborn king. And so I think that's most memorable. Yeah. And it was reinforced in the home in the sense because, you know, Advent wasn't Christmas. Right. Uh, you know, as we got closer, of course, as kids, we were all excited, you know, the big day's coming, and and we had Santa Claus and those things as well. But I sure. mean, and, but for us, you know, the Christmas Eve supper was a, a great thing, and then Midnight Mass, and so it was, a, you know, a great time for us to be young and, and excited about it, but also having a sense that we need to prepare for this, Yeah, and there's a time to get ready, and that's called Advent, so yeah. those yeah. are some... You know, special memories, and as as an altar boy in those days, they were yeah. all boys, so it was altar boy. You know, having to go to extra services to serve, mm-hmm. and um, you know, thinking back on it at the time, huh, sometimes it was a little bit rough. You know, to get up and moving, and yeah. and to do that. But thinking back on it now, what a beautiful time that was, and how it really stressed the importance of the coming feast. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. I know. I, I um, the the other analogy I like to think of is uh, I think I think a lot of times what happens with Advent is they they. We, we just lose track of it, you know, and we forget that it's actually the anticipa- anticipatory aspect and season. Um, and we tend to think of like the idea of like, oh, we're, we're, we know that Jesus historically came like 2,000 years ago. So Advent is about remembering that in a way. True. He's going to come again at the end of time. Great. We, great. That's awesome. We, we kind of think about that, especially with some of the readings and whatnot around this time of year. But I always think about it as well as like, I, like, and I told this to the OCIA folks just the other day as well. If you knew without a shadow of a doubt, that you were going to pass away on December 25th, right? Like you were going to meet your Lord on December 25th. You just, you knew it. Let's say that you knew it was the end of the world on December 25th and you're trying to tell other people, but you seem like a crazy person, you know? (laughs) You'd probably live these four weeks a little differently, right? Absolutely. You might forgive people that maybe you've had struggles with, or maybe you'd go to confession, or maybe you'd, I don't, go to mass more. You know I mean? Like it would probably look different if you really believed. You'd want to be a shadow of a doubt. Right. And so I think... I don't know, to me, that's like a, a big piece of like the personal, mm-hmm. not just looking at the historical, the back, not looking forward to his coming, but looking at right now, how is the Lord affecting you here and now? That's just a beautiful mm-hmm. thing. And that, that's cool that it comes through even like in your childhood. I think sometimes we th- that resonates with us as children. Sure. And then we lose a sense of it as adults because we get lost we in do. the hubbub of stuff. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. 100%. We get yeah. lost. And, and, you know, we really need to think more like that. Yeah. Um, you know, we always say each day is a gift and, you know, thank you, Lord, for this new day. But do we really 
understand that in the sense that, you know, and especially uh, in this day and age, you know, things are so uncertain, you know, there's the threat of war and right. all those kind of things. So we really need to think about, you know, what if this is our last Advent? What if this right. is our last Christmas? You know, are yeah. we ready? Yeah. You know, if the Lord called me today, am I ready? I'd like to say I am, but... Um, yeah, no, no, we do the best we can. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, can you hear my confession after this uh, recording? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's funny. Father, was there anything else you want to mention specifically about uh, some of the col- Polish cultural things as we kind of pull this episode to a close? I, I think that we pretty much covered it yeah. all. And uh, just, you know, it's a great time to be Catholic. It's a great time to be alive and, and you know, to celebrate the, the wonderful month of November, remembering those who have gone before us and thinking yeah. of our own mortality. I, I know the other podcast talked about that, you know, Momento right. More. And remember, you know, death is awaiting all of us and it doesn't have to be scary. Right. I look, look at it as a transition, mm-hmm. you know, from this life to the next. And the Lord has promised us his mercy and salvation. So um, it's a great time. And then moving into Advent, you know, just excited about pre- trying to prepare myself amidst all the other uh, material preparations that yeah. go into Christmas, you know, so uh, I'm really uh, happy that I love this time of year. I think it's a great time, fall and winter and uh, Advent and yeah. and Christmas, so uh, I'm just content, I think, where I'm at and uh, hopefully okay. can pull it all together. Yeah, amen, amen. Well, thanks, Father. Is there is there anything specific that we, uh, you know, parishioners and listeners can be praying for you? Any special intentions that you have for this next month? Really, the only thing uh, I think if I could ask everyone to please remember, uh, you know, it's the month of November, and please remember those uh, family members, friends, and even those that we don't know that are still awaiting the fullness of redemption. Mm. I think sometimes we forget, you know, a little eternal rest or, or a little sacrifice for someone that's gone before us or maybe even someone that we don't know. You know, the, the, we were always taught those poor souls in purgatory awaiting the fullness of redemption goes a long way. And mm. so maybe I could ask everybody who's listening to, you know, to say a eternal rest for the souls in purgatory and uh, ask the Lord to bring them into the fullness of his life. Beautiful. You got it, Father. No sweat. And then also, Father, do you want to close us with a, with a prayer and a blessing yourself? Sure. You? Thank you. And let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of life, for the gift of this month of November, for all the traditions that we hold dear. We ask you to Bless those who have died with the gift of eternal life and those of us who are alive, Lord, with the grace to prepare for the day you will call or return in your glory. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, descend upon you and remain with you forever and ever. Amen. Amen.